Happy Friday, friends. I am so happy to be able to be here with you guys. I had a nutty week again. Things are just, um, they're just busy right now. It's the busy time of the year. Yay. But also it just gets a little bit much fitting some things into life right now. And I know being in Mercury retrograde too, I've had several technical things that I've been dealing with. So I know that um, that does play a role in that. So here I am on Friday morning. I usually already had my episode out about three hours ago and I'm just now recording it. But I think that's for a reason and I'll tell you why that is in a little bit. But I did wanna get on here and share a story with you guys in hopes that it might inspire some of you. Because if you're anything like me, we go through phases of being so lit up and so into creating things. And then other times it's just kind of blah, right? Like we just reach a point where we're like, okay, now I need to be in my phase of recuperating and relaxing and refocusing and all of that good stuff. And so I am hoping that today I can bring you guys some inspiration from a place of a story that I don't really tell that often. Um, I do own it, but I'm not like going around shouting it from the rooftops and I feel like it needs to be said. So let's go ahead and get started. Hey friend, welcome to Deep Healing for Creative Entrepreneurs. My name is Aubrey Barr and I am a subconscious release technique practitioner and photography business owner. I know you are sick of ending your day feeling overwhelmed and exhausted, and you are seeking a solution to help you feel creatively inspired and actively engaged in your business as well as personal life. In this podcast, we are going to dig into any limiting beliefs or subconscious programs that are keeping you in a space filled with anxiety and stress. This work is not a temporary solution for your life, no. This is a complete transformation. So grab your coffee or tea and let's start you on the road to healing. And let me just say, you can do this. You are worth it. And you are meant to thrive in life and business. So let's dig in. I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but it seems like sometimes there's stories about your life that were so defining for you and they were such a big pivotal moment, but yet we don't share them often. And sometimes it comes from a place of guilt. Sometimes it comes from just feeling like, well, I already overcame that and it's not really, doesn't match me. It doesn't fit my life. It doesn't bring me any kind of joy in being able to tell that or whatever it may be. I find personally that I love the side of me that's mysterious. Like I absolutely love it. In fact, I did a really cool nose reading. It was a body mapping reading recently with my friend Jamie, and I'll share more about that at a different time. But she basically like maps your nose and tells you things about yourself. And one of the things about me was that I love to be mysterious And so I find myself in a funny situation, right? Because I have this outward appearance. I have this social media presence. I have my podcast. I have my YouTube channel. I have all these things where I am putting myself out there and people can see me, but yet my desires inside, I love to keep some of it to myself, 
And so being able to find that balance between what I share and what I keep to myself has been always challenging for me. And what it used to look like, I'll be honest with you, is it used to look like me not sharing and just keeping to myself. And that would be my default. In fact, I have had several um, friendships in the past, like really good friends where people have said to me, I, I feel like we're really good friends. We're like best friends. And yet there's so much about you I don't know. And I'm like, well, maybe because I like it that way. But I didn't really understand that that was part of the person that I like to be. I love to keep some things to myself. So, but what I find is that I have a lot to share (laughs) and I have a lot of things in my past that have helped me to be increasingly empathetic towards my clients and just people in general Um, and being more sensitive to what they're going through. I've been through a lot of things and I understand a lot of traumas and that's because I've lived them. (laughs) So, um, you know, I mean, it's not something that you would normally brag about. It's not something that you would be like, well, look what I did. I survived this. And yet at the same time, I feel like it does need to be said sometimes. It needs to be brought to the surface so that people know what you've been through and they can see maybe some patterns in that and correlate it to their life and say, okay, you know, so-and-so has done this, I can do it. And I know I do that with all my coaches and mentors or different people that I listen to. I definitely get inspiration from other people and what they've struggled with in their lives. So it is super powerful to be able to stand up and just tell a story about yourself. As much as you want to keep it hidden, maybe, maybe it's just better if you put it out there. So as I was walking on my treadmill this morning and I was like, okay, I really need to record an episode because I'm already a few hours late on it. And that's what I heard. I heard, tell your story. So um, it's not my whole story, but I do want to tell a section of it. (laughs) Um, Back when I was 19, I met someone. I actually backed up my car in a parking lot into another vehicle. And that vehicle was a one-way parking lot, so they were actually going the wrong way. So I looked the way cars should be coming and it was clear, and so I backed up and I ran right into this, this other vehicle. And that is how I met my first husband. And just from the way we met, you could tell maybe not so great, but it's whatever. (laughs) But um, I was swept off my feet. And I'll tell you why. It's because for the first time in my life at 19 years old, I was getting an incredible amount of attention from somebody. And they were telling me I was beautiful. And they were showing me that they had affection for me. And they were making me feel like I was super important. And that was something in my life that I was seriously, seriously lacking. I had zero (laughs) self-esteem at that time. I mean, I knew I was like, I I was starting to come into my body where I was like, okay, I'm getting more fit. I feel more comfortable in my body than I did in high school. Um, I had lost a little weight and I could see that parts of me were beautiful. But mostly, I didn't have a lot of confidence. And in fact, when I remember distinctively, when I used to look in the mirror at myself, I'd say, oh, there's all these things wrong with you now. And, you know, 
you just you're not as cute as other people and you're not this person and you're not fun and you're not all these things and so I can definitely say that my self-confidence was bottom (laughs) was so low it was absolutely low and this is probably one of the reasons why I talk so much about confidence now because I've been able to switch that around for myself but it took a very traumatic experience And that's the part that I don't share very often. And of course, hindsight is 20-20, and I can tell you all the reasons why um, this narcissistic and traumatic experience had came into my life. And that's the truth, but it is nice to see how I was still able to come through. So what happened was I, again, fell head over heels for this person, and he, I think we got married within three months. And it was okay for a while. We were still living in Alaska and that's where my family and friends were. But then at some point, um, it came up that we should move. And so we got in a vehicle. We actually took um, a plane to Seattle and then we took a bus from there and then we bought a car and we traveled the United States in a car which doesn't sound that bad except for that we had no money we had we had nothing of value in our relationship um it was solely based off of what he needed when he needed it and how he needed it and it really had nothing to do with me and my needs i was so far down the totem pole (laughs) on importance i'm not even sure i was on it okay So it was, it was very difficult. So I lived in this phase where we would be traveling. First off, I didn't have any contact either with my family at that time. And that was purposeful, like hindsight, right? That was very purposeful. But we just drove around and he would take up odd jobs where he would work for the day and we'd get like 50 bucks. Um, but needless to say, I went through a lot during that time where I had zero sense of security. I had I was not safe whatsoever in any way imaginable. I I had no contact with friends or family. I had no possessions, right? I had just like a suitcase with what my clothes that I had already had in there. Um it was pretty rough. Like I didn't know where we would sleep, but some nights we would go into a town and someone would say, "Okay, I'll get you a hotel room." And I'd be like, "Great. You know, I can shower." or great i might be able to get some sleep like in a real bed right so yeah i mean even now it's kind of weird to talk about because it's like was i ever really that person because this is not me anymore (laughs) and and i was i absolutely (laughs) was in this phase of not in any way doing anything in my own favor to make my life better at all stark contracts from where I'm at now but even I get a little choked up thinking about it because I'm like I would never want my daughter to be in that situation and not that has anything to do with my parents but just that feeling of being so worthless that your basic needs could not even be met and that's kind of where where I come from and so What ended up happening is eventually we made our way to where his family lived, which was in Kansas. And, um, you know, we stayed with them a little bit and then we got our own place. And this is all within a span of two years. We ended up um, 
getting jobs. He had a job, I had a job. So we got a little more stability. But one thing didn't change and that was the abuse. It had gone from being emotionally abusive to physically abusive pretty quickly after that point. And, you know, a lot of people will tell you (laughs) that someone who's going to abuse you is going to separate you from your friends and family, and they're going to do all these things, and they're going to put you in situations where you have to rely on them. And all of that happened. But for a 20-year-old, you know, we're not as quick. (laughs) We don't have as much street smarts, we'll say. And so I wasn't picking up on the clues that fast. Um, But I am thankful that eventually things played out enough where I started to recognize that some of the behaviors that were going on in our relationship were not in any way similar to the healthy relationships that I had seen in my life, like with my parents or with some of my siblings and their spouses or girlfriends and boyfriends. So I was like, okay, this is not exactly what I want. And I started to let that settle in. And I was working at the time as a waitress at the Waffle House. And it was the night shift. So I was actually, I really enjoyed it at that time. I really enjoyed being able to do that. And I was actually making enough money to where I'd be able to have some money for like the household stuff and the food and the dog and you know contribute that way. But then I was also taking some cash every night and and I would hide it like in my closet. I mean, like if I had a cardigan or, you know, a dress with pockets or a pair of jeans, I might put some cash in different pockets. And I, I had no idea at that point what I was going to be able to spend that money on. It was more from self-sufficiency than anything. It was like, okay, you don't have anything to your name. And so you need to start putting things away for you. And I didn't even know at that point that I was going to be leaving. I didn't think, oh, when I get out of here, I'll have some cash. Like that really wasn't my frame of mind. My frame of mind was purely in the moment wanting to have some kind of backup in case that always came up for me. And so I was doing it. I was doing what I could in the moment to make myself feel like I was going to be able to survive this situation. But I was so naive, right? We're young. We don't understand how the world works. We don't understand that some people are not good people, right? Some people (laughs) were actually bad people. Um, And I prefer not to live my life thinking that people are bad. So, you know, I've come full circle from there. But I will say that understanding that not everybody has your best interest in mind is, is a different level of growing up. You know, it really is the catalyst to being your own person, I think. And so anyway, over time, I had saved up here and there. It wasn't enough to get me very far, but I did have that in mind. And then one day, I remember this pretty clearly. One day we were at our house and the both of us were there and our dog. And I can't remember what was said, but I got punched and even when I tell this story to other people, like I never have said, I got punched. I just say, I ended up with a black eye. Well, I got punched. There's just no other way to say it. And it was, I knew I was standing up for myself in a sense, like something was said and I was standing up for myself and then I got punched. So um, I was really taken aback. I 
was crying. I was actually more crazy crying, right? Like that hysterical kind of, I pretty much lost it. And then I went to my room and I remember going to sleep. And then later on that night, I had to wake up to go to my, my shift. I think I'd, I had to be there by like seven or something. And so I got up, I looked in the mirror and I'm like, holy crap. Like I had a shiner. I had a black eye and I iced it a bit. And then I'm like, okay, let me put some makeup on it. Right. Again, I'm 20. I don't purely understand that maybe makeup is not going to cover it. Uh, it was just more depressing to put makeup on it. It was very swollen. It was very hideous. And the reason why I'm even going into details about this is because when I walked into the Waffle House, my boss took me aside and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I just blah, 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 right? That whole song and dance when people don't want to admit that they've been abused. And so I got to, I got to be that person. I had to live in that. And it was frustrating. It was frustrating. But that black guy was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I'll tell you where my mind went. I looked at myself and I said, you know what? I've never, ever, ever seen my dad hit my mom, ever. I've heard him yell at her. I've heard her yell at him. You know, I'm not saying they're perfect, but I have never seen him hit her. And that was a really big awakening for me. That was a big moment where I was like, wait a second. There is something really wrong with this relationship because it doesn't match the other relationships I've seen. And so I got to sit in that for a little bit and I can't remember how long it was before. It was a few shifts later. I no longer had a black eye. Um, so let's say another month. And I went into work and my boss was like, hey, somebody's on the phone for you. I said, who is it? Is it my, you know, my husband? And she's like, no, oh, it's a woman. I'm like, okay. So mind you, my family doesn't know where I'm at. My friends don't know where I'm at. I don't talk to them. I have zero contact with them. I am literally living thousands of miles away from people that I know. And I picked up the phone and it was my sister. And she said, hey. And I was like, uh, hi, how did you know I was working here? She's like, well, I knew it was a Waffle House. And I, I just started calling Waffle Houses by your by where your city was. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and how crazy that moment was. She said to me, literally, she said, listen, my husband, so her husband at the time, he was like an underwater welder and he's actually there. She lived in Kentucky, so she was my closest family. But she's like, he actually is working in this city about an hour from me. And she's like, do you want to go to that hotel where he's staying? And then I'll drive down and pick you up in the morning. And I was like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> um, such a crazy, such a crazy pattern of events that happened there where I was finally in the realization that what was going on in my life was not what I wanted. And I was being treated very, very poorly in a way that nobody deserved. And at the same time, my sister having that intuition where she listened to it and said, hey, you need to call Aubrey. You need to get her out of there. And instead of her being like, okay, I have to come get you. This is how it has to be. She just simply asked me. 
do you want me to meet you at the hotel? And I said, yes. (laughs) So the crazy thing It's just so crazy to think about now because it's always been an amazing story to me. I've never been able to fully explain how it all worked out. But basically, I ended my shift that night, about 7 a.m. I paid the cook. So whatever tips I got that night, I paid the cook to drive me to this other hotel. Of course, by then I was completely exhausted. So I got a hotel room with the rest of my money and I maybe had $20 left which was more back then than it is now, but still, maybe I had $20. And uh, I, I actually showered and I went to sleep, took a little nap, and then my sister came later on that afternoon and she came and got me. So I never went back to my house. I never went to those clothes and fetched my money. I never got to take my dog. I never got to pick up any belongings that I had taken with me from Alaska. I never had the opportunity to get anything that I owned because at that point I knew it wasn't worth it. Even if I went back just to have a fight and grab my stuff, the material items that I could have gotten were not worth the risk that I would have had to take. And so I left. I completely left. (laughs) Basically, I went to work as far as my ex-husband's concerned. I went to work and I never came home. And as much as I want to be like, yeah, I was super strong and I and I do feel strong. Okay, don't get me wrong. But, you know, people will say things to you when you've been through a lot of stuff. They'll say, you know, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you survived. I don't know how you, you know, X, Y, Z. And a lot of us are like, we did what we had to do, right? We had to make that choice or we were going to lose our life or we were going to, we don't even know, you know, we just had to make a better choice than the ones we had already made. So in case you're wondering why I am telling you (laughs) this crazy story about something that most people, when they meet me, would never have imagined that I was ever in any situation even remotely close to this. And yet here I am. I've now been married to my now husband for 18 years. Um, And there's a whole other story there too. I've had to learn. I've had to learn how to deeply heal from all of this trauma that I endured because honestly, you know, getting out is the first step, but that's not the end of the story, right? That's not the final. It goes on and on. You, you know, live your life for another 10 years and then you realize, oh my gosh, I am living purely out of fight or flight, or I'm still scared to death that somebody's just going to come grab me in the middle of the night. Or I still freak out when the car breaks down and we're like stuck somewhere. We can't, we, we have nowhere to go, right? Or in my case, I still put a ton of groceries in my pantry. I cannot not buy provisions to keep in there for any given circumstance because I don't know what I can rely on. So these are all symptoms of what I would call trauma. And this is where my heart is, right? This is why I help other people with this kind of stuff is because I know how that plays out in the years to come. And when it's showing up like that, it is saying, hey, there's still something here you can take care of. There's still a level of understanding and 
release that needs to happen for you in order for you to be more vulnerable, in order for you to, you know, rely on other people or to love other people and especially to love yourself. So much of what happened in my background story, because this is not even like the end, right? <laughs> this is just a, this is just a small portion of life. Um, but so much of what had happened, I get to look back on and I get to say, wow, you know, honestly, like I don't regret it. I can say that with all my heart that I do not regret what I had to deal with in those couple of years because I came out of there and it didn't show at first that I was super confident and, you know, ready to start a life that I was proud of. But over time, I allowed myself to let other people in and I allowed myself to love myself. That was one of the hardest things was to look at me in the mirror and say, you know what? You are beautiful. You do have these attributes that make you a good person inside and out. You know, you don't have to rely on other people to make you feel good. You get to grab from this bank of all of these memories where you inspired other people and where you made someone's day just out of a kind thought or deed and just truly love the person that you are. And so when I look back on experiences like this, you know, I absolutely know that they have molded me into the person I am today. They've made me also be more empathetic to other people. I have a very deep understanding of people who don't love themselves and who don't put themselves first. And so many that are dealing with circumstances where they don't feel like they have hope. And I'm here to tell you that even if you don't feel like you have hope, there's always someone out there watching out for you. And we don't know when that's going to come. We don't know how that's going to come. Sometimes we go through it and we can look back and we still have no idea how it worked out so beautifully that we still get to be here and we still get to live this life and we still have so much to be grateful for. So wherever you are right now in life, I just want you to know that there's always reason to have hope. Because behind the scenes, so much more is working in your favor than what you have the ability or comprehension to understand. Okay, none of us are left here alone. None of us are left without any resources. I know, I absolutely know that it feels that way sometimes. But I want to give you a little bit of, even when we make bad decisions, even when we don't do what we know we should have done and we really regret it in that moment, please know that there's always something working out for you. So we don't have to sit in that guilt. We don't have to berate ourselves for hours on end about how we should have made this other decision and our life could have been totally different. All that does is waste your time. That's all it does. It's more important and more useful for you to look at the future and say, what can I do today to lead me towards that path instead of keeping me back here? What can I do today to make sure that I'm living a little bit more intuitively connected to where I'm receiving messages from something other than the other people in my life, right? My connection to God is bigger. My belief in my angels or whatever it may be for you. 
What can I do to help me tap into this other part of me that's going to give me a little bit more hope? It's going to have my back, right? (laughs) It's going to catch me when I fall. Because let me tell you, living in a world where you are only reliant on yourself in all ways is a trauma response. I've said it before and I'll say it again. That is what we do when we know we can no longer count on other people, things, situations, etc. And once we learn to really start releasing those stories, like the one I just told you today, where I've now separated the story from the emotions that I have inside, it makes it easier to tell it. And we get to take those lessons We get to take those with us without the added heartache and the frustration and the sadness, right? We get to just move on. And that's why I talk about moving on a lot. So I hope this inspired someone today. If you stayed this long to listen to this really long story, (laughs) I appreciate you so much. And I honestly hope that this spoke to you in some way. Let me know, send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or um, just from my email. Let me know what you thought about this. I will be writing a book at some point because I feel it inside of me and it's going to have to come out. (laughs) Maybe 2024. Um, For a little bit of announcements, you guys, I am going to be running a holiday free session. So it's going to be a group session where we're going to help get more into the holiday spirit and maybe release some things that are coming up for you right now so that you guys can enjoy yourselves. So I do it every year. Um, I haven't announced the time and the day yet, but if you join the email list, you will um, have that reminder. So be sure to do that. I will put it in the show notes. And yeah, have a beautiful weekend, you guys. Okay, we'll talk soon. I hope this podcast spoke to you in some way. If it did, please go ahead and leave me a review and subscribe so that I know you're enjoying what you hear. And further, if you know somebody else who owns their own creative business and struggles with anything that we spoke about, please pass this on because it is my hope that we will be able to build a community of like-minded individuals who love on each other and appreciate the many facets that make our creative business so unique. And lastly, check out the show notes to find my free Facebook community and other useful links to work with me. All right, friend, see you soon.